Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in your lives. And for any of you that are new, I just want to briefly refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where there is a flip book and there is very original writing there by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. And a lot of that print is highlighted in red, which are links to very profound and amazing YouTube videos that highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing from many fields of science and archaeology. So go there if this is all new to you. Are you hungry and thirsty for reality? I am talking about the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, who is the one true eternal God and only who the one true eternal God could possibly be. So for those that are new, if you're hungry and thirsty and you want to know a vital fulfillment that is everlasting, ever enlarging and ever fulfilling in the inner core of your being, it is only found in knowing the one true eternal God. For whom to know is life eternal. Now, I could go into a long time and explain all of this, but I will just share this here very briefly for those that are new. I am speaking about a love that is so pure and integrous that it always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. It is so pure and integrous, it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. This is the holiness of God or the holiness of his love that will not tolerate corruption is the very antithesis of corruption. It ensures a destiny without corruption that is ever enlarging in creative fellowship and pleasures of fulfillment in a place known as heaven. And I'm writing a book on it, an in-depth book that's going to be coming out very shortly because I'm trying to finish it and spending a lot of time on it now. It's been in the works for some time. I don't know if it's three or two years but it's been in the works. And I'm wanting to share with you the reality of this relationship you can have with God. And I could share an awful lot on the very, very empirical evidence of life after death and how much more real it is than this dimension. It is way beyond this dimension. I mean, way beyond it. This is like 2D in comparison to 3D. It is like a vague dream compared to the reality of your ultimate destiny. But I don't want to get too much into that right now. So this one true God has a love that's so pure. But what's amazing that is, is this, is that his love is so ultimate in that perfection that he, from the infinite past, before the world was created, had the capacity into, in his being 
to not only communicate and have fellowship with us mere creatures on this little speck of a planet, but to become a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice, which happened on the cross. Yes, we believe in only one true eternal God, but he is in three personages, and if he wasn't, he would not be able to rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation, as the Father, beyond time and space, seeing the end from the beginning, in creation, fully expressed in the Son. For example, in Genesis 18, Abraham has three angels standing before him, and he didn't, they looked like men, but he knew they were more than just ordinary men. He goes to them and says, can I make a wonderful meal for you? Basically, that's what he says. And they eat. And he addresses one of them as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for the one true eternal God. The I am that I am. The very source of reality, which is only found in this ultimate perfection of love that I am sharing with you about. And so this love is so great that God came in Jesus Christ, the full expression of the being God, into the creation realm. And that's the other dimension, is within creation. Beyond creation, in creation, and filling all creation is the Holy Spirit. In creation, God is expressed and communicated as the Son with his creation. And so I want to share with those that have come to embrace this love of God, that have come and asked him to be their Lord and Savior and have asked for forgiveness because his love was outpoured in his body, broken unto death for you, and in his blood outpoured unto death for you, shed on the cross. He humbled himself more than you, a mere creature. He suffered more than you, a mere creature. How can you reject such a love? So I'm sharing with those that have received Jesus Christ, that are gathered around Jesus Christ in assemblies throughout the United States, whether small and groups of two or more, or whether large and everything in between. And here in Canada, where I live and around the world, what God by his spirit is saying at this particular moment to the body of Christ, also to you as an individual and to me as an individual, and what I do to facilitate that is to seek to speak as the oracles of God, because it says in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This is further explained in Revelations 19.10, which says, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth out of great humility and reverence, and deep love for God, we are filled with His Spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves. The results in creative utterances that are coming from God, and that is what I will seek to do. That's why I don't prepare anything. I just meditate on these chapters, two chapters, taken by lot for half an hour and then speak. And so I want to share with you those two chapters, but I also receive a hymn and so today I received a hymn but it didn't have the proper words that could be put on a YouTube video so that it could be used in a church because if there's lots of churches going to be starting up in the near future which I believe there is by the powerful move of God's spirit that is going to come upon the earth and wake the body of Christ up and if you're asleep and you're not awakened God forbid 
But what I want to share with you here first is this wonderful worship song, which I had to make the background for and the words on with OBS, which is um, software you can get for free, uh, open source software, OBS. So um, I am going to now play that song. And we're going to listen to this wonderful worship song right now, as soon as I bring it up here. <laughs> okay. Um, I will click on it here. And here we come with the song. So maybe the wording in that seems a bit odd to some of you, you know, the word mingle, it's probably more accurate to say abide or saturate because that's the word for baptism. And yet, you know, people use different words that basically mean the same thing. 
And so this song, I see how it's so appropriate for this message now that has been taken by the casting of Lot. And that will come out in the message. I'm just going to now turn to the two passages that I received by the casting of Lot today on August the 22nd of 2022 on Monday. It was 2 Samuel 12 and Numbers 11. And there's a very clear common theme between those two chapters. Um, both of those chapters involve overcoming the lust of the flesh. In 2 Samuel 12, it is about King David. And Nathan confronts him on the fact that he killed Uriah the Hittite, the wife of that he had taken. And as a result, he suffered the consequences. And of course, I'm going to go, go into reading it. I'm just pointing it out today. And Numbers 11 is about the children of Israel falling to lust in the desert. And the Lord is disgusted because they're complaining all the time. And so, first of all, when they were doing this, the fire of God devoured some of them, and then that stopped. But then they complained again right after that. We're, we're loathing this manna. We're tired of just eating manna. We want the garlics and the leeks and so on. And so there was consequences that they also experienced because they fell into lust. So the desire to experience pleasure in the flesh can blind spiritual focus of reverential love on God. We then become unthankful and start to seek what God, op what opposes God's purpose in our lives. And his purpose also that is for his glory and kingdom. So the, I want to now begin to just read a bit of these two passages of scripture that I received. The one, the parts of the passage that are significant, because I believe most of you are very familiar with these two accounts, historical accounts that I am talking about here. And so the first one here in 2 Samuel 12, we start in verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, which also in the original is Yahweh, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do these thing, this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. 
Now, David could have died before the Lord. You know, there is that verse in 1 John that says, there is a sin that is not unto death, and there is a sin that is unto death. And it goes on to say, pray for the person that has committed that sin, that life would be given unto them, that they would not die. And we do know there is also the case in the New Testament of incest that was being committed. And here they were having their services and they were praising God as if nothing was wrong in their midst. And yet they were aware, at least the leadership, and I'm sure many there, that there were terrible sins taking place and maybe they were trying to even deal with it privately. But Paul, the apostle says, you should have been mourning before God because this person is going to be delivered to Satan to the destruction of the flesh and, and that the church should have prayed even if that would happen so that his spirit might be saved in the day of Christ. You see, our God is a holy God. He is a flaming fire that is jealous in his love for us and for his love to be known in this world through us, who he is seeking to bring forth to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation unto him. Are we going to fulfill that calling and know the abundance that he has for us that is everlasting and everlarging, unlike the enemy that lures us with these temporal baits that are almost, well, they are hypnotic. We get focused on the temporal, on a temporal fulfillment. I, I have it happen to myself. I'm still single, even at my age. I'm very youthful. And I've always desired a wife. And then I see this really beautiful lady, but then I know she's not a Christian. And yeah, she likes me. And so I can, you know, begin thinking when I'm going to sleep or whatever, certain thoughts. Am I going to bring those thoughts into subjection to the obedience of Christ? How does that happen? Well, this hymn that we had here is part of the solution. It is through the Spirit that we mortify the deeds of the body. Through the Spirit. This hymn we sung was about, Lord, teach me to exercise, but more appropriately, probably a better word than exercises. Teach me how to turn from the depths of my being and break up the fall of ground in my heart so that I abide in that place where the Spirit of God can saturate me because my heart is not hard. We know what happens to the seed that falls on hard ground or that falls among the thorns and is choked. God has a purpose and a calling in your life. And there are so many things, the busyness of life and other things where we just get so busy, we get worn out and then we want to relax. There's nothing wrong with that and rest and we need rest. And some of us, the problem is we are not willing to set aside time and rest and be still. And in that we can also take opportunity to find our refuge in the presence of God and to seek him. He's calling us in this hour to be those 
that he can saturate or baptize with the fullness. That's what the word baptize means. It means saturate, like saturating a garment so that the color changes. He wants our identity to change so that our identity is fully withdrawn from identity in the temporal things of this world and in what people think of us and so on into an identity with him that is immovable even if everyone is against us and everything in our circumstances seems like God's against us. Do we still know that relationship with him? This was the issue with the children of Israel. They were being tempted in the wilderness. They were being tried. And the Lord said, he humbled them by giving them manna to see if what was in their heart, whether they would truly love him, truly follow him. The secret of the Lord, it says, is with them that fear him. We know that Joshua and Caleb had that secret, wonderful relationship with them. We know for sure they were men of prayer, especially Joshua, who even would stay in the tabernacle of God after Moses left all night on his face before God seeking God. What quenches our thirst for seeking an intimate relationship with God is the loves of this world that quench that thirst where we make those things our priority. Oh, we want to prosper. And we have a lot of prosperity teachers where they're teaching everything on how you can be prosperous. And is there anything wrong? Yes, it's God's will that we prosper. First, spiritually. And when we prosper spiritually, brothers and sisters, we come into such a relationship with God that we find that the things of this world that once we thought were so fulfilling are shallow and empty compared to the relationship that we've entered into through a life of prayer and seeking God instead of the temporal lurements of this world. And I don't want to put any people under condemnation, but I do want to speak in such a way that there's genuine conviction like came on David when Nathan the prophet spoke. But when I see pastors time and time again get up in their congregations and be talking about the hockey game, these are the very things that are the things that are not highly esteemed by God. It says the things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination in the sight of God, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we spend hours with our emotions and our time and our energy on these things and fail to seek him. That doesn't mean that we can't experience a fulfilling life. God has created each of us very unique with creative things to do for his kingdom that are far more fulfilling than something that has no purpose or meaning to it, but only is for our amusements. God wants the body of Christ to repent of the gods of amusement in this hour and to return to the genuine fear of God. And that is the other thing that is so important for overcoming in these last days the subtle wiles of the enemy that would take us off track and cause us to be robbed and to suffer the terrible consequences that we need not have suffered. Look at what David had to go through. 
he had to go through a lot of suffering. The sword did not depart. And when the enemy does these things to us, it means a lot more suffering in our lives in the long run. And so we need to see things from a new perspective, from a renewed mind. And that's the other secret to overcoming the lusts of the flesh. It is being in a renewed mind that comes by learning the secret of being in the Spirit. And part of that secret of being in the Spirit is knowing the deep turning from the heart in reverence to God, which is the genuine fear of God. And it's that deep turning that causes us to abide in the Spirit of God, in a fellowship that transcends. And it says, if we continue in his word, we shall know the truth and the truth will set us free. And as we persevere to seek God and to turn to him in a life of prayer, and a life of holiness. We are made whole in our inner being. You see, holiness brings wholeness. It should be that we delight in holiness because it brings wholeness. But what does the enemy want us to do? He wants to warp our perception of God like he did with Cain so that we begin out of a unthankfulness like the children of Israel experience. I never even read that passage. I should read a bit of it, I suppose. Like the children of Israel experience. Here's what they say here in Numbers 11. I should read a bit of the scripture. We remember the flesh or the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now our soul is dried away. God could allow us to be put in a place of famine. I'm in a place of serious famine right now, financially the worst of my life. I'm just hanging by a string thread because my car broke down and suddenly they reduced my GIS by $638 a month. And I just paid a whole bunch of money about three or two months ago, about $3,000 to get the engine all redone up nice. And now another thousand. I am having to trust God. I'm trying to get this book done in life after death soon. It's so soon coming. But here's the thing. Am I going to? Yeah, at times I was upset because I know that there's money I should have been given quite a bit. It was held for me. I'm not going to get into that. So I could be upset and I could be unthankful and I could hold on forgiveness because I believe people robbed me or not robbed me, but took from me what was unreasonable. I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to learn in this situation to be in the spirit, to be thankful for this is the will of God, that in everything we should give thanks, in everything, in the midst of trials and tribulations, like the apostles' experience where they despaired even of life, we need to learn to be in the Spirit and thank God with a view to knowing that he and his creativity is going to take these things that look so contrary and literally make something very creative in our lives out of it, that in the end will be a blessing that is very great in disguise. And many times it is in disguise. Not necessarily. So they're loathing 
And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses also was displeased. And later on, we read this in verse 32 to 34. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day. And they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered 10 homers and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibaroth Hath Tabah, because there they buried the people that lusted. Brothers and sisters, the enemy will try to get us to lust for the things of this world and to hear the false teachers whose focus is on material prosperity and equating that with godliness. God has chosen the poor, rich, and heirs of the kingdom, it says. Let us remember that, that the important thing is that we find our pleasure not in the pleasures of this world, but in him. And when we do, then he can entrust us with riches because our pleasure isn't in those things to use them to consume on our own temporal lusts that have a principle that is destructive, working in us against, that is corrupt, working against love, which is the opposite of corruption. I mean, the integrity of love, the holiness, the whole holiness that births wholeness in your inner being and that wholeness that can rise up so that you walk in authority over these things. It doesn't mean that God won't bless you in his time with such things as a wife or that is fulfilling in the flesh and so on. It is a matter of possessing our vessel in sanctification of honor, of coming to a place where our lives are in such a love relationship with God that we are not controlled by our own independent rebelliousness, which the enemy takes advantage of and, uh, and also manipulates our lives through. So God is calling the body of Christ to wake up in this hour, brothers and sisters. He is calling us to become his house of prayer and his house of holiness as assemblies and to repent of not redeeming the time. We want to be those that have the extra oil, not out of religious duty, but out of a genuine passion and love to know this love of God that's so great that he would he loves us right now so much that he would lay down his life for you on the cross with terrible suffering, pain, even now if you were the only one that was in the universe. That's what the people in my Life After Death book, I describe different ones that stood before Jesus Christ and what they experienced. One of the common things they experienced was that he loved them so much that it was like they were the only one in the whole universe. It was like they were the apple of his eye. The intensity of this love is something that cannot be described in this mere temporal, physical dimension. It is of a depth and an intensity that is so great. He loved them so much that they knew that 
If they were the only ones he created, he would have gone to the cross and died for them. They knew that that was the love that was coming out of him. And they didn't know. They could only stand there and thank him and thank him. Yes, you have to get my book to hear the wonderful descriptions that are in there when it comes out. It's going to, I'll announce it when it comes out. It'll be, I might even get it out by this week. I'm hoping to get out by this week or next week. But brothers and sisters, we need to be those that are awake in this hour, having our lamps ablaze. Church, wake up. How many people don't even know what's going on in the news and they believe the lying news media? Go to my website at loverealize.com where I have links right in the homepage to valid news sources that actually the majority of, I think the Americans are looking at now because they know all the other news is fake. I don't have time to get into all that, but wake up. We're in an hour of very serious trouble. There is mass genocide that has been committed upon the whole earth by these vaccines. People that have had two or more vaccines are drying in droves. And a lot of the things in those vaccines does not affect people until five years. And more, according to doctors. But there's going to be, and it's going to look like they're just dying of natural causes. But in fact, all of these things are going to be, there's going to be way more cancer, way more neurological disease, because these bioweapons in these vaccines have done that. And the evidence is there now. It's from insurance companies. It's from what they're seeing in the morgues. And there are many lawyers coming together. They formed Nuremberg too, and other things to bring these things and these people to justice. But right now, even in our own nation, everything is subverted. Klaus Schwab and the economic forum is who the people are, the leaders are listening to in Canada and not to the, not to the people. And they're making decisions that are going to result in many people dying from these vaccinations. And the statistics are already in from insurance companies and from whistleblowers from the U.S. Army that have downloaded all the data that cannot be disputed. Look at Ren's hyphenlaw.com, R-E-N-Z. Check it out yourself. I don't have time to share more, but I want to wake you, the body of Christ up here, and I want to share this, that I have a book right now on Amazon.com called God, Headship, and Body Invasion. It's also in Kindle with lots of links in it, and it shares everything you can do in your local assembly so that you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local gatherings but you bring the glory of God in fullness down into your midst by a new order which will not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ. You need to wake up, body of Christ, and come together in your community and city with the other churches and fast and pray for three days and cry out mightily to God. If you don't wake up, it's going to be very serious, the judgment that is going to come. Do you not want it to be a lot less judgment and a lot more blessing? Do you want to suffer a lot more because you're caught up and blinded by the temporal lusts of this world and your heart is hard because you're caught up with the loves of the world? 
Oh, God, have mercy on us all. That we would wake up in this hour, come together and seek him. Isn't it worth it to come together and fast and pray for three days? Some of you can go on an Esther fast if you're in good health. I know I've done it a few times in my life. And every time I've done it, I found it easier to do than when I drank water, strangely. I don't know why. I was really high. Oh, I did experience thirst, but it wasn't so bad that it, Lord, somehow his grace was in it. So God is calling us to wake up and to seek him, but also to enter into a new order in our lives, corporately as well as individually, where we make our priorities Christ. And we begin to walk in his loving kindness that is transcendent over the things of this world that would so blind and manipulate our lives. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all. And do support me by purchasing these books or by going to my love site, my site at loverealize.com where you can support me in this time when I have really serious need financially. Thank you.